We've been talking for the last few services about the importance of proximity and prayer and uh, talked about Elijah on Sunday. Before that, we talked a, a little about, about the importance on a Wednesday and a Sunday before that, we talked about the importance of prayer and how there is a, a pervading mentality in people's hearts and minds, I believe today, with because of a fast-paced society, they believe it without even realizing that they're thinking it, they, they fall into the trap of a fast-paced uh, prayer life and answering from God. And just, I, I can just do it real quick. It's a drive-through mentality. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a Mac prayer. Do you understand? You have a McDonald's because it's fast. And there's Mac prayers. And Mac prayers is what God is trying to steer us away from. Now, we're not talking about necessarily spending hours in a row, although sometimes there's times for that. And if you've never done that, there's probably something more that God wants to bring you into. Because while it may not happen every day, there should be seasons in your life where there's extended periods of waiting on the Lord. And if you're not done that, you're missing out on something very precious. But you can't do that every day because there's life that you have to live. But in the daily life and grind, there needs to develop an attitude in all of us of praying, the Bible says, without ceasing. Meaning, what Wigglesworth commented on that was, I never go more than, I never pray more than 30 minutes, but I never go more than 30 minutes without praying. Meaning, there's a constant flow throughout the day. Pastor Nancy put it this way, turning your heart and your face toward the Lord. Constantly just turning your heart toward the Lord. Meditating on Him and fellowshipping with Him as your day progresses. You don't always have to be intensified in a prayer closet, although there are times for that. But this, this general attitude of increasing our waiting and our praying has been an emphasis recently the Holy Ghost has been putting. And we're talking about more private lives. Of course, there's praying with the church, but that's not really as much what he's been emphasizing. It's more about our private lives. Learning to spend time with God at home more and not just coming to church for the prayer meeting and think that you've shot the moon for that week because you haven't. Right, right. We want you to come to prayer meeting, but that's, if that's all it is, then you're missing something very important in your, in your spiritual life. There has to be a private waiting on God. And I said a, a wild statement that some people choke over. And I said, there needs to, when you're dealing with things, major decisions, it's not uncommon. It shouldn't be uncommon for you to wait on God for dozens of hours, if not hundreds before you proceed. Do you understand? Pastor Lekedek, one of his people getting married, we were talking about it and we were commenting about if they really knew that they were the right person. And, 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 I, and he, said, he said, the problem with this generation is that nobody wants to wait on God. They want to rush through God. They don't want to wait on God. He said, when I got married, I waited on God for hundreds of hours to make sure that Nancy was the one for me because it's a covenant for life. She said, today, people seem to pray for four hours, and they got it now. They got it. And you don't got nothing. You don't even know what you got. You got a feeling from the pizza. It takes more than just two, three, four, seven, nine, twelve, twenty hours. It takes more than that to really know. Do you understand? Because sometimes you can wait for a whole season, and all God deals with you is your problems, your sin, and your things that he wants you to repent of. And you can pray for hours, and just you're not even hearing that because he's trying to deal with you. And then he wants sometimes to just wait to see, to see if you'll wait. And it sounds, feels boring and it feels hard, but he's testing you to see if you'll wait. 
He's not testing you with sin. He doesn't test us with this. But he will test us sometimes the reins of our heart and our motives. And, and, and our, are we willing to pay a price? He does test us that way. And sometimes you've got to wait a while before he'll start to talk to you. And I'm guilty on it too because with the fast-paced life, sometimes we rush things. When we rush things, we make mistakes. So I've been emphasizing, the Holy Ghost has been emphasizing that recently about slow down and really wait on God, which means if you, if you back up that up, it means you have to do time management because nobody wants to talk about the practical they just want to talk about the spiritual. So it sounds great to say, wait on God. Amen. But what does that mean? What does that mean for you tonight? That means you probably need to go home a little, get to bed a little bit earlier. That means you need to set your alarm. That means you have to plan things naturally so that you have time to sit there and wait on God, especially if you've got a family and you're busy and there's responsibilities. If you're single and you're loosey-goosey, God, God bless you, good for you. But most of us are not like that. We have to plan it. But you have to make the time. You won't find the time. But you'll find the time for social media and for your spa and for your shopping. But see, you see what we want to do, we'll find time for. It. We'll make time for. It. But you, you won't find time to pray because sometimes there is an effort, but there is a joy mixed with that effort. If you really get to know God, you'll actually look forward to praying. Most people aren't there yet, so it's still an effort for them to do. But if you, get, if you just wait on him and get comfortable with him, you'll actually start to look forward to it. Like you look forward to other things you enjoy. But without time management, and it's a, there's a practicality to spirituality. Years ago, James Tan, our friend, he made a statement. He said, the, he said the anointing is very practical. In other words, there's a practicality to the spiritual nature of God. God wants you to do certain things, but you've got to have time management. You've got to plan things very meticulously so that you can accomplish that thing. Amen. Just like you plan and go to university so you can become a doctor. You had to plan that. You didn't just become a doctor. You have to plan waiting on God and set other things aside and sometimes be vicious with the schedule to carve out time with God. And if you don't do that, you won't get what's on the other side of that waiting on God, which is staying in the perfect will of God for your life. Are you with me? So we've talked a little bit about that, but the Lord said something to me that I want to, we're, we're talking about receiving and responding uh, to instruction tonight. And I want to talk first a bit about responding before we talk about receiving, because he said some things and he said, some of these things are going to be a help to people that really need to hear it. I don't know if you're here or not, or if you're watching, but I'm praying that the ones that need it will hear it. And so, yes, we know God can talk to us through a variety of means and methods. And the, the primary way he wants to minister to us is in our own hearts through his word and by his spirit in our prayer lives. The secondary way is in the local church through offices and gifts to impart and to confirm and to drop things in supernaturally by the anointing and by the spirit and by the preached and taught word. So we know that. But let me, let me just, so I often say, and I wanted, the Lord said, emphasize this again. We often say, be careful what you do with other voices. Be careful what you do with other voices. And I think some people think that only means don't just read any old book. Don't just go on any old YouTube channel and watch any old preacher. You got to be careful because not everybody out there is secured and is right. And even if they are, if check your spirit when you're listening, if there's a flat feeling, if there's just, well, that was good, but I don't know. It didn't really seem to whatever connect dots. 
The Holy Ghost is trying to teach you through that dead feeling, the flatness. There's no spark. There's no ignition. There's no lift. The Holy Ghost is trying to say to you, it's not that they're wrong. Dad Hagen said to that minister one day, it's not that you're wrong or that they're wrong because he said it feels dead when I listen to this minister, but he's a great minister and he's preaching a great word. And he said, am I wrong or is he in sin? And the, uh, Dr. Dad Hagen said, neither. It's that the, he has not been assigned by the Holy Ghost to be a voice in your life. So he's great, leave him alone. But you've got no business listening to him because that's why it's dead inside. So it's not just about people teaching you false things. It's about not wasting time. Because if I listen to certain ministers as great as they are, I have wasted time. Because that time could have been given to ones that have a voice, ones that will impart, or my own private prayer time where the Holy Ghost will directly impart to me. Do you understand? So I'm, I'm not, when we say other voices, we're not just talking about a, a, you know, a YouTube channel or a book. We, we, are, we are talking about that. We are talking about other preachers, whether they're in error, obviously not. But even if they're not in error, be careful. Check your spirit. But then the Lord brought this to me and he said, I want you to say this. Tonight, today was a different kind of a day. Because I, I just come not expecting this kind of flow. I just come expecting a real simple flow. But today was different. And he said, I want you to address, now listen, if you're listening, you better listen. And if you're here, you better listen because this is coming directly from the spirit of God through your pastor. And it is a warning to some of you. The Lord said to me, he said, warn them. I am displeased with some of them going out to other churches where the prophet has come to town and going and letting him lay hands on them. In fact, one congregation, this is a while ago, sent me a video of going to another church where the prophet was in town and sent me a video of the prophet laying hands on them and prophesying over them. And you know, it doesn't even matter if the guy ended up being accurate. You don't know that prophet. Your pastor doesn't know that so-called prophet. And you don't know the pastor who is the host bringing in that prophet. And unless you have a, some kind of a relationship and a, there's a safety and trust in relationship, you do not know if they're with the wrong spirit or the right spirit and you have no idea what can be imparted to you on the negative side of the coin when somebody lays hands on you that you don't know. And the Bible tells us clearly, let no man lay hands on thee suddenly. Suddenly, if you study it, it means without relationship. If your pastor or you do not have relationship, because you're not going to know all these ministers, but if the pastor knows and, and, and trusts them and has a, has a green light on the inside, whether you personally know them or not, there's a safety there because of the relationship you have with the pastor. Do you understand? I don't let anybody lay hands on me unless Pastor Nancy approves them or I know them personally, ever, because I don't know what they've got. And believe me, today, there are, there's more people that got things that aren't from God that you could imagine. And you don't want things coming into you or, or attaching to you because some person laid hands on you. Laying hands is a sacred and holy act. It is not to be toyed with or played with. And I heard the Holy Ghost say, tell them not to go where there's the fancy thing they hear for just anybody to lay hands on them. And whether they're laying hands or not, even just hearing people preach. Paul said, if I see you, there'll be an impartation. Even when you go in person and you're just in that environment, things can be imparted to you and you don't necessarily want anything, everything imparted to you. Laying hands would be a higher level and even more danger. 
because that impartation is much stronger when they're laying on of hands. But just being in the same building, things can attach themselves to you. False doctrine, error can try to sneak into you. And I'm not trying to scare you. And that's not, that's not the spirit of here. This is not fear. But the Lord said, I want you to, when you talk about other voices, tell them it's not just watching at home on the internet, although it includes that, or reading books. It also includes going other places that I have not authored for them to go because they want, they're ear tickling, uh-huh. ear tickling. Yeah. They, want, they want something yeah. exciting. Yeah. And what the person said to me was, I'm so hungry for God. I can't just handle our church. I got to go to other churches Sunday afternoon. And I said to them, that is not hunger. That's itching ears. If you're hungry, go pray and fast. Let's see how hungry you really are. You just want excitement. You want drama. You want something. And that is very dangerous. I'm serious. I'm serious. And some cultures do this more than others. And some churches lend lean to this more than others. Where everybody's now an evangelist. And everybody's now a prophet. You better be careful. Because we're in the end days and I'm telling you, you better be careful. Unless I know or you personally know and have a green light. You don't go to other services and you don't open your door and you don't ever let somebody lay hands on you that you don't know. Are you, are you with me? I don't know why, Jenny, but the Holy Ghost said, I know whoever needs to hear this, if they don't stop that behavior, it's going to get their whole life off track. Now that's called a rescue. Because if they don't know that, they just don't know that. But God's trying to get it over to them. Because some people never heard this before. What, everybody loves Jesus? Yes, and everybody loves bluebirds too. That's what Dad Hagen said. Everybody loves bluebirds. Everybody loves Jesus. Just because they love Jesus doesn't mean that they have a right to speak into your life or touch you or impart to you or teach you. I'm serious. This is, there's a danger in that. So I'm, I'm asking you to, to pay attention to that. Are you, are you still with me? Hallelujah. Now, the second thing. He just spoke to me, laid it all out this morning. I want to say this. Now, this may sound disconnected, but it's all connected to the, the concept of how do you respond when the Lord has communicated to you? The first is just a warning. Don't, don't, don't go outside that company. But when you do get a when God does reveal something to you, most of the time he's going to reveal to you in your own prayer life. Do you understand? In your own time with him. But he's also going to reveal certain things under that office, under that anointing, in the local church. He'll reveal things to you because you're around somebody with an assignment for your life. And whether hands are laid or not, you're going to learn things by the preached word, by him just talking to you while you sit here. So in the local church environment, he'll, he'll show you things and direction. In your prayer life at home privately, which is the, 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 the number one way, he's going to show things to you if you'll wait on him and not be in the McPrayer line. But in the... Just, I'm going, to take, I'm going to schedule time to wait on him. It's important enough to me to schedule. Now, if you'll do that, he'll start to show you. But something the Lord prompted me to say is this, and a lot of people don't really register this or know this, but this is a rescue to somebody. I don't know who it is. He didn't show me who it was, which I'm grateful because I don't really want to know who the people are. He just said these points, every one of these points, I'm going to give you a number of them tonight. I don't know. They may just be for one person each, or they might be for more than one. I don't know. But he started talking to me about, he said, tell them when, they're, when they get clarity in their spirit about something, when there's a knowing about something, if they don't make decisions 
in line with that clarity. And they begin to violate that clarity. What's going to happen is the clarity starts to, starts to disappear like the condensation of water. And over time, where there was clarity on a subject, now there's haze. And now frustration builds because now they don't have clarity anymore. And then deception comes in. Every time God shows you something, every time, there's a demon assigned to deceive you or to get you off that track. That doesn't mean we have to be afraid of demons, but I'm just telling you they're waiting in the wings. Every revelation you get, there's a demon with that revelation. Hell assigns demons to rob you of that revelation. We know because Jesus said when the word comes, if it goes into hard ground, the birds, and then he said the birds are demons, pick it away. Which means the demons were watching the word go forth to see, and if it's a hard ground, they'll grab it before you even know they got it. Now, if it gets into you, they're still there trying through a fence. The rocky soil. They're, tr they're, they're, they're trying through lots of different ways. The thorny soil. They're trying to get things out of you. But we know Jesus said demons watch the word going forth. So when revelation comes, demons are watching. And you better pay attention when demons are watching because they are there to, they're assigned to steal from you. If you don't act right when God reveals something to you, there's a demon assigned to cause you to get confused, to try to influence you not to act in line with it. And if you don't, what's going to happen is in a little bit of time, you're not even going to recognize anymore what God said to you. And now that spirit has won its battle in that area of your life. And now the danger is the haze, the thing that you're not really sure about anymore, you'll take as the perfect will of God. And go in that direction and get your whole life, of course. And he reminded me of something Pastor Nancy told me about a man in her church. And he said, Pastor, I really like this girl. And I want to marry this girl. And Pastor said, well, if I were you, I'd pray about that. Now, if you know Pastor Nancy, basically she's saying no. But she's too nice. So she just says, pray about that. Well, he said, I prayed about it. And, you know, I, I go, okay, came back. He said, I prayed about it. And, and, you know, what, two days later? Do you see what I'm saying? Make prayers. How can you know in two days? You don't know God that well. I'm telling you, you don't. Unless Jesus shows up, which he's not probably going to do, it takes time to wait on him. So how in a couple days or a week or whatever it was, does the guy know? She knows he's wrong. She knows he's saying, God showed me. But now, the only saving grace for that young man is one thing. She's waiting for the one thing. Because if he walks out saying, God showed me, she cannot scripturally do anything. She can't because then it's manipulation and control. He hasn't invited her counsel. But he had one Thank God that he was at least taught this much where he said, but despite what I think I know, I want you to confirm it because I trust your spirit. And Pastor Nancy said, because you've asked me, I will tell you my counsel, but you still follow your own heart because we're not a cult that controls you. Do not marry that young lady. She will take you off course. So he put his head down and well, now she said, did you not sense that? And he said, well, I, 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 something's there, but I'm just trying to, I really like her. See? If you're really listening, something's scratchy. But your, your attraction and your hormones are overwhelming that inner witness. He said, I know, Pastor, I'm sorry. But, you know, it's heartbreaking. Because he's got a soul tie and he's dating and he's all this stuff. So he has to tear that. So he tears it. And he goes on. So what happened? There was a rescue. But then what happened? 
Obviously, thoughts came to him. Obviously, missing her came to him. He sees her in her cute little sundress at church. I'm just, I'm just imagining. She didn't say that. But he's out there doing whatever, and he's praising the Lord. Hallelujah. And there she is. And that night, oh, Lord, she is fine, isn't she, Jesus? Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Woo! Glory. Oh, Lord, I praise your name. You see, God knows you. Don't try to act so religious. He knows half the time you're checking somebody out when you're believing for a mate. And unlike maybe in Canada, but in California, there are a lot of beautiful women. I'll just be honest with you. I'm allowed to say that. I'm in covenant and I don't, my eyes have made a covenant. I don't look at anybody. I look at her and only at her. And I look at her a lot. Mm, Jesus. But I'm also not a eunuch. I can tell if there's a beautiful woman or not. And so can you, so don't be so weird about it. It's okay to admit that. They just, they just don't go any further with it. Okay, so what I'm saying is I bet you that these thoughts come to him. He misses her, da, da, da. And what happened was after two months of being rescued, he didn't answer those thoughts. And listen to me, he didn't answer those emotions. Emotions are part of the soul realm. They're part of the thought realm. They, he didn't answer the feelings. You don't just answer thoughts, you answer feelings. No, I will not feel that way. It's anti the will of God. I command you, feelings, depart from me. I'm serious. Now what happens is Pastor Nancy, he calls another meeting. And the meeting, she doesn't know what it is. She just assumes that everything's great. Because unless she has a word of knowledge, she's not going to know. And God don't always show ministers everything. And he comes in and said, Pastor, I just want you to know things have changed and God's confirmed it to me and we're getting married. And she said, son, what happened to that? God didn't change his mind in two months. What pastor taught me is that when, you, when the, the rescue and the clarity came, but because he did not make decisions to support that, in fact, he made decisions to violate that. By engaging in activities that he should not engage in, what happens was that clarity that he had because of wrong decisions opens a door for that clearness to become hazy and blurry and now he's not sure. Now when you're not sure, if the devil could pull you off the fence, pull you over the fence when you were on the other side of the fence, when you did know... Now you're on top of the fence teetering. How hard do you think it is for him to pull you on this side? Because he already did most of the work by pulling you up on top of the fence. All he has to do now is pull your gravity, do the rest. And what he did is he didn't make decisions in line with the clarity of the instruction. So he made decisions that caused a, a, a grayness to come to that clarity and then because there's a demon assigned and then there's confusion and then there's deception and then he believed in two months as much he believed it was the perfect will of God as two months before he believed it wasn't the perfect will of God he married her and his whole life went wrong not even at the church gone off separated from the plan of God all because he liked what she looked like in a sundress. I'm making that up. I have no idea if she wore a sundress or not. But I'm saying his eyes. His feelings. His emotions. Plus a whole bunch of thoughts I'm sure came. 
When God has showed you something, you have to war. You have to war. You have to war. I have scripture for that because Paul said, make a good warfare for the prophecies spoken over you. So that means that's prophecies, but it it applies to any time God reveals something to you. If he shows you something by the inner witness, you have to war over that. If there's a prophecy and he shows you something through an office, find me where that scripture is, the reference. You have to war over that. They make a good warfare with the prophecies spoken over you, meaning there's enemies watching that prophecy, watching that revelation come in, and they are right there to try to stop it and to try to confuse you and try to back you off from it. Right there. First Timothy 1, 118. Just for your records. We're not looking at, don't look it up. I'm just saying for your notes. Make a good warfare with the words that God has given you, we could say. Whether it comes to somebody else or comes directly from God, make a good warfare. Why? Because birds are watching the seed being sown. They are waiting to steal it from you. And if they can't steal it, they'll just try to, by, by a war of attrition, they'll siege warfare you. And they'll just start hammering your mind and hammering your thoughts. And when he told you to do that business, if you don't act on it quickly, now six months later, now you're not sure. Now it's gray. Because you took too long and you're in war over that word that God gave you. You've got to fight for that word. You've got to make decisions in line with that word. You've got to do time management. You've got to make financial decisions. There's a whole lot that goes on. Lord, I'm going to do that in Jesus' name. I'm telling you. Lord said to me recently, because I don't, I'm, I'm, I, the effort required to become a pilot it's far, far more than I thought it was. And that guy lied to me, telling me it's so easy. It ain't easy. And I'm starting to question. I started to question. I, I, I'm too tired. This summer is too busy. The busiest summer we've ever had in the history of our church. I just can't. I'm tired and the kids and this and the, everything's going on. I, I, I'll do it next year. You know what the Lord said to me? He said, if you delay. He said, you know this is what I want. But he said, if you wait till next year, it will all of a sudden not be so clear anymore. Then you'll start to wonder, did I really hear from God? Is that really what God wants? And then the enemy's right there to deceive you. And then you you know what? I, I think we just take commercial. Yeah, I don't think we need this. And we just sell the plane and, you know, it's okay. Every, there's less pressure on me financially. Less I have to stretch my faith. He said, you do it now. Why? And the way he worded to me was, if you don't keep pace with the Spirit, the spirit moves on and you're over here to the point you can't even see him anymore in terms of the plan. He's so far ahead, you're so far behind. You just say, what's the point? I can't even catch up. So you stay pace with him. You stretch yourself and you make decisions in line with the, what he shows you from the scriptures and by the inner witness. And if you're not sure, check with your pastor because a lot of people think they know, but they don't. And they need somebody to bounce it off. Somebody, listen, who's not... <laughs> Somebody recently came, I won't give any details, but they said, I I believe that I'm supposed to do this for God over here and it would require them leaving the church. My natural inclination is no. God's building this church. He's not dismantling this church. But I'm sitting there and I heard the Holy Ghost say, he's right. Bless him and help him. So I am not a manipulative person where no matter what you say, it's filtering through. If it hurts promise of life, I'm just going to tell them no. No, I want what the Spirit of God is saying. Whether that hurts me or not, whether that helps the church or not, I want what the Spirit of God is saying, period, no equivocations. And you have to be that way as a pastor because some pastors will just, anything that doesn't benefit them, 
will automatically be, no, I don't think the Lord wants you to do that. And that's dangerous. And that's wrong because you can mislead people's lives. So I have to have a right heart in this when people talk to me that I'm clear and I don't have opinions about anything. Do you understand? Because my trust is in God to build the church, not in trying to hold that person from leaving. But you've got to pay attention when God shows you something, you better act on it. And I don't know who this is for, Jenny, but I heard him say that, that, that I need to say this to people, that there is, there is clarity that comes and people don't act on it. I want to, and I've already said, and I want to just make this statement, demons war against the plan of God. When I say the plan of God, I also mean the revelation of God that comes to you from the Holy Ghost and from the word. They war against it. They are, they are after your future, especially if it's connected to the plan and to the, and to the kingdom of God and to something like this, like an apostolic church, all the more they're after it. So you have to pay attention. It's responding right to instruction from God. It's not just getting the instruction. You have to respond to the instruction. When it's clear, act. Make decisions in line with it. If you don't, it will amazingly become hazy. And before you know it, it's gone. Make the wrong decisions. Get off the plan of God. I want to say this to you, and I don't know who this is for, but it's for somebody. Repetition. Repetition from the devil weakens what people used to know. When he's just... mm, 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 mm. They know that they're healed by faith, but the repetition, he does siege warfare and he tires you and he drains, he causes your, your energy to drain. And if, and, and if, if you let him repeat himself, I'm telling you, this is important. I don't know who that's for, but there's somebody that there's like a, there's like a just hammering. And you say, well, pastor, uh, how do I stop that? Well, you, you got you to answer it. You got to speak to it. But, but Pastor Nancy takes it a little bit further. You don't just, you know, she said, if you don't answer that thing specifically, exactly with what it's saying. The, listen now, this, this is another, I don't know if you've heard her ever say this, but this is another level. A lot of people just answer it and say, no, no, in Jesus' name. Okay? And that spirit leaves. But the words that the Spirit said have life and energy to them. And when I say life, I mean demonic life and energy. Those words will continue in your atmosphere around you to harass you, even though the Spirit itself has gone because you spoke to it. So you can't just speak to the Spirit. You must speak to what the Spirit said. You must address its atmosphere and its words and say, no, if they say, if there's a fear, you're, you're, you're going to lose that house. Don't just say, I rebuke you, spirit, in Jesus' name. That's good. But then say, I will not lose that house. I address the words, and I address the assignment of those words and the atmosphere those words bring. And I say, no to you, fear. I, and, then, and then say the opposite. I will not lose that house. The Lord is with me. And then you, you just move on with what you're going to pray. Because he will repeat, bang, 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 trying to wear you down. That's one of his tactics. My wife and I know it very well. Believe me, we know it very well. Some days there's so much repetition that we feel like on the hour, every hour, we're speaking to things. Some days are not like that. And some days are. There's like waves of attack that come and then there's seasons where it's not that bad. But then I'm sure you're like that way as well. Some weeks are just harder than other weeks. But when that repetition comes, he's doing it to wear you down. Don't just tell, listen, if you don't answer it at all, you're go, he's going he's to beat you to a pulp. You will finally fall to your knees because you're exhausted of the mental pressure. 
you must answer him out loud in faith but don't just answer the spirit answer the atmosphere of the words and repeat against what those words said I will not die my child will not do this I my business will not go under I address that atmosphere I rebuke you in Jesus name then that atmosphere stops it's movement because words have spurred their life they're alive they carry they carry momentum with them the movement of those words that the demon has whispered to you ends they fall to the ground like a dead weed that's been dried up. But if you just talk to that spirit and not the words and the atmosphere that it brings, you'll still feel that thing swirling. And you'll say, but I'm answering it. Why doesn't this work? It works. But you've got to get real skillful with his devices and know how to answer him. Are you with me? Blood ain't thicker than the plan. Blood ain't thicker than the leading. And I heard the Holy Ghost say, say this, because I talked to some of my children, but their family members and their uncles and their culture and their grandparents and this person and that person who love them but are not spiritual will try to talk them out of what I'm telling them. And listen to me, I'm, I'm being very direct with you, especially the Indian culture. I love Indian people. I, I lived there for three months. I love them with all my heart. But there, there, there are some cultures that they are so controlling and so manipulative. And they want you to listen to them more than even God himself. And some cultures have more of that in them than other cultures. You better find out if your culture has that. And you better put your foot to the neck of that thing. Because your blood will talk you out from a good heart. Maybe they're not a good heart. Maybe they just don't like you. Or maybe they're trying to save you, protect you, help you. But if you, and Paul said, I conferred not with flesh and blood. He, he didn't ask people their opinion. He did what God told him to do. Because he had to go into the wilderness for three years. And if he had said, well, what do you think? I promise you there would have been many people that said, I don't think you need to do that. Don't be so extreme. God loves you. God understands. I think you should just stay here in Jerusalem and just rent a place and just for a few hours a week talk to God and then come and help us here. People would, you know, the orphans need you. The poor need you. Paul, don't go to, don't go to the desert for three years. You see, he said, I know if I talk to people, they're going to talk me out of it. So he said, I did not confer with flesh and blood. I'm talking to you how to respond to when God shows you things. You better keep it clear and make decisions in line with it. You better not consult with all your culture and mommy and daddy and everybody else. Unless you're a minor, then you do. But other than that, you better, you, you're going to stand on your own two feet. Are you with me? And when that repetition comes to siege warfare, you speak to the atmosphere of the words, not just the spirit. Hallelujah. And lastly, I heard the Lord say, say this, when delay comes, delay will discourage. Now, it's not always that the devil is delaying. It's just sometimes that God is delaying because you're not ready, because your flesh is not crucified enough, because you haven't obeyed him in something else that he said. And how can he give you this if you won't be faithful in that? And there's many people because there's a delay in their business or if they're called in their ministry and things take longer than they've decided they should take. And that delay brings with it great discouragement. And if you don't deal with that discouragement, the delay will turn into an abortion. Are you listening? Well, instead of it just taking a long time, now it's like, well, 
I don't know, maybe I'll just do something else. And then you've aborted the plan. Well, this business is so hard. Like I, I don't want told me it would be this hard and then I'm just not going to do it. And you aborted that plan. And that was something God was going to use for his kingdom. And you had no idea the connections and you had no idea the clients and you had no idea how much money you were about to make. But because things took a little longer to take off than you thought they should, you got a war against the discouragement of delay and stir yourself up and encourage yourself. David said, I encourage myself in the Lord. There was nobody to encourage you because all of his own men said, we're going to kill you. It's like me having all the staff say, we're going to kill you. And David had nobody. His wife and family are abducted. All his men hate him. He is completely alone. Have you ever felt that way? You have no excuse. And he had no excuse because he could have curled up like Elijah. Oh, God, just let me die. I mean, David had more of a spirit of faith than Elijah did. Because Elijah curled up under the tree, worried about Jezebel wanting to die. And David said, I encourage myself in the Lord. If David in a lesser covenant can encourage himself, so can you. Delay will discourage and you speak to that thing and say, no, no, no. I'm going to stay in pace with the momentum of the Holy Ghost. And Holy Ghost, if you're saying it's going to take this long, then that's the plan of God. That's my home. That's not a delay. I'm in the perfect will of God. You've got to stir yourself up. You've got to stir yourself up. Because if you give in to that discouragement, you'll quit that. Whatever God said, you'll quit it. I don't know who this is for, Greg. I don't know who it's for, but I heard the Lord say, you say these things. When I show them things, there is a war against what I say. And how they respond to what I say is incredibly critical to whether it comes to pass in their life. Global prophecies, end time prophecies don't require our prayers. Whether you pray or not, the Antichrist is coming. Whether you pray or not, the rapture is coming. Whether you pray or not, the trumpets and the vows and the bowls are going to be poured out. You might as well pray. They're going to happen anyway. End time things are beyond the individual Christian. But when it comes to your life and your personal sphere and your future, God can say things that don't mean it's going to happen. It means he's telling you what he wants to happen, what his plan is to happen. But if you don't yield and engage and do respond right, it will not happen. It was God's will for Trump to get in. And all the prophets on that show are prophesying. They're all wrong. The only one that was right was Randy. And he said he's not going to get in. And they all hated him. <laughs> and God told him why. He said because they didn't pray as soon as he got in. And it was going to take four years to turn it in the spirit. And they hate the Democrats. And I can't work with people that have hate in their heart. And he said if they, it is my will. They're prophesying according to what I want. But that doesn't mean it's going to happen because the church has things to do. And if you don't do it, if you don't respond right and in the right timing, what God wants does not happen. You've got to renew your mind to some of these things because people got the sovereign mentality where God says that it's going to happen. No, no, no. When it comes to end time prophecy, yes, yes, yes. When it comes to your life, or even on a national scale, like a president or a prime minister. No, he's watching to see the church has to agree and cooperate. You have to agree and cooperate. If you don't respond to the instruction, you'll lose out what God has for you. And I must say, this is certainly not an exhaustive list. There's so many things I could say, but those are the only ones he highlighted to me. Make sure you're not getting other ministers messing it up and confusing you by the laying on of hands. Make sure that you are when it's clear, do it quick before it gets hazy. Because the devil's warring against it. When he's repetitive, 
push back against that and speak to the atmosphere of those words. When your family interferes, tell them to shut their big trap. And you have to. You have to. Jesus said those that have left fathers, left mothers, left brothers, sisters, husbands, and wives. Are you listening to me? Even the marriage covenant is subject to the plan of God. Marriage covenant tries to stop you. You have a right to divorce. If they're trying to rob you of the plan of God and you don't do that without talking to me because you could take that. Well, it was the plan of God for me to go on vacation and they're saying, no, I can't go to Sandals. I'm divorcing them because pastor said, no, no, no. You come talk to me because people can manipulate that. But Jesus even said husbands and wives. That means the marriage covenant is subject to the kingdom. Dr. DeFrain's wife tried to stop him from obeying the call and God told him to divorce her. But God hates divorce and it's only in rare occasions. I'm just trying to say to you, family is not... Blood is not thicker than the plan and then the instruction from God. And, and uh, delay cannot ruin you. You've got to get some backbone. I know it's 902 and I don't care. I'm go- I, have- I can't. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. You, your chicken will have to just roast a little bit more. Now, that's how we respond to it. But I need, to, I need you to, I just want to talk about receiving instruction just for a minute, not long. That was the majority, just a short time. We're talking about responding, but we're not, I, the Lord said a couple things to me about receiving instruction. Now, I've been talking about receiving instruction for the last few services about waiting on God. Yes. But I just, he, he prompted me to read you these scriptures. Galatians 6, 8, if you turn there, please. Galatians chapter 6. If you're not, you got to learn to be spiritual enough to recognize when God is doing something unique in a service. We're not going long for long's sake. But when he's doing something unique, just flow with it. And I'm not going to go a second longer than I have to. I give you my word. Galatians chapter 6, 8. For he that sows to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that sows to the spirit shall of the spirit reap life everlasting. Now quickly, Romans. Remember, this is easy to remember. Galatians 6, 8 and Romans 8, 6. Can you remember that? It's so easy. Look at Romans chapter 8, verse 6. For to be carnally minded. Now, if you're carnally minded, you're sowing to the flesh. Remember, it said you'll reap corruption. To be carnally minded is death. There's the corruption. But to be spiritually minded, how are you spiritually minded? Sowing to the spirit. Is life and peace. These verses are twin twin brothers. They go together. Because they're saying the same thing. Galatians 6, 8 and Romans 8, 6. Now, let me just, this is very simple. If you want to be a spiritual person, you have to sow, S-O-W, you have to sow spiritual things. If you sow to the spirit, that's what Galatians says. It says here, if you're spiritually minded, they mean the same thing. To sow to the spirit means to do things that are spiritual. You're sowing seed. You're sowing, you're sowing tomato seeds. Now you're sowing spiritual actions like prayer. When you sow spiritual things or you're spiritually minded, you're going to reap life everlasting. The other one says life and peace. It's going to go well for you. When you sow to fleshly things or you are carnally minded, you are going to reap death and corruption. Are you listening? So my question to you is, to receive instruction, to receive words, to receive clarity from God for your future. What are you sowing? 
If you do not sow to the spirit, you can forget even getting the instruction. We're talking about receiving, how to respond to it. You got to do certain things in the responding once you got it. What about just getting it? Listen to me. A lot of people don't even have instruction. They don't even know what God wants for their future. Why? Because they don't sow to the spirit. They don't do things that are spiritual. Are you listening? Pastor Nancy said a statement that just really helped me. It kind of knocked my socks off a little bit. And she said this. She said, you can have interests and hobbies, but they're always secondary. Listen now, this is very important. Those things that are your interests and your hobbies, your extracurricular, your fun things, they are not the source of your fulfillment. And a lot of people think they are, which is why they give it all their time. The plan of God is the only thing that is the source of your fulfillment. You can enjoy these other interests, but they do not fulfill you because only the plan of God seals the vacuum that's inside of you. Are you with me? So she said, honor the plan of God and don't exchange it for cheap alternatives like hobbies. Have the hobby, but not in first place. Don't exchange first place for a hobby or for an interest. I'm asking you to really listen from your heart. Every one of you. You need to listen to me. I'm trying to help you. You got to learn to sow spiritual actions if you're going to get spiritual harvest. If you're going to hear God. If you're going to know, I'm I'm, a pastor, there's something wrong with me. I don't understand. I'm broken inside. I had abuse when I was a kid. I've been on drugs. I've done this. I've done that. But they got to sow to the spirit so that the spirit can cause that harvest of life and peace which will include breaking bondages renewing the mind killing them free from oppression healing the brokenness deep deep in their soul when somebody hurts and rapes you it can destroy people for their whole life and only the power of the Holy Ghost going in can fix with his divine scalpel what no psychiatrist and no drug can fix No Xanax or anything else. But unless you sow to the spirit, he can't pour into you what you need. You've got to be spiritual and be spiritually minded. Think spiritual and act spiritual. And then you will have spiritual. I tell my son all the time, if you don't, all of them, if you don't pray, if all you do is listen to your music and do your thing and do your other thing and do your other thing, you think you're getting away with it, but you are sowing to the flesh. Nothing wrong with a hobby, but you start getting into sinful things, you are sowing seed. I, it's a spiritual law. I can't protect you even if you're my own blood. I can't protect you if you're my sheep. Nobody can protect you. And fearing God himself, it is a spiritual law. If you sow, you will reap. God is not mocked, the Bible says. If you sow spiritual, I guarantee you, you're going to get a harvest. And it's going to bless your life. And it's going to heal your life. And it's going to help your life. But it requires seed. And the seed is waiting on God in prayer. The seed is saying no to sin. The seed is is reading the word. Serving in church. Tithing. Doing every manner of spiritual thing you can think of. And if you don't, you think you're getting away with it. But I promise you the harvest always comes. It always comes. And then people decide, why am I sick? What have you been sowing for the last 10 years? 
Why can't I get healed? What have you been sowing for the last 10 years? It seems so unfair when the harvest comes that they don't like. But you have sowed it. And what you sow, God is not mocked. You will reap. I'm doing this in my own life, brothers and sisters. I say this with fear and trembling for my own life. Because what I sow, I will reap. Hobbies and interests are great, but they're never your fulfillment. They're never your source. They're never, they're never primary. Don't, don't, don't look to them instead of what God's asked you to do. Are you with me? Yes. Hallelujah. I, huh, Lord. Mm-mm-mm. Real quick, Revelations chapter 2. I have to skip some parts, but Revelations chapter 2. I'm going to start my close. That means first close. (laughs) Okay, and I don't like the King James in this case. So I'm going to read this to you in the New Living Translation. Revelations chapter 2, please. And the New Living Translation says this in verse 2. I know all the things you do. This is church at Ephesus. This is me and you. I've seen your hard work, your patient endurance. I know you don't tolerate evil people. You have, you've ex- examined the claims of those who say they are apostles and not. So you are even so skillful that you can tell if people are false prophets and apostles or not. That means you have discernment. You have discovered that they're liars. Okay. You have patiently suffered for me without quitting. And, and if you go down to verse 6, and it says, and you have this in your favor, you hate the evil deeds of the, Nicolone, the, the Nicolaitans just as I do. They hated sin. They were skillful in dividing true prophets from false prophets. They didn't tolerate evil. They worked hard. They were persecuted, and they were patient. I mean, these people are amazing people. And after all of their good stuff, They served in the ministry of helps, we could say. They're faithful in their giving. They're just the top line Christians. But what does he say here? But I have a complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you first did. Look how far you've fallen. Turn back to me and do the works you did at the beginning. If you don't repent, I'll come and remove the lampstand from its place among the churches. Now, in the, in, the, in, the, in the King James Version, it says, but I have something against thee. You've left your first love. Remember from where you've fallen. Repent and do the first works. What is he saying? You can do all the stuff of ministry, all the stuff of evangelism. You can do all these things, and God is so grateful, and he appreciates. He's praising them for all that stuff. But if you don't keep first things, he said, do the first works. Do first things first. I got a problem with you. And what is the first thing? Loving me. What does that mean? When you love somebody, you want to spend time with that person. You want to be intimate with that person. You want to talk to that person about everything. My wife and I have a rule. We go uh, once a month at least. We go on an overnight date because we have to to stay sane. And we have a rule when we get in that car and we always make sure it's at least an hour and a half drive in any direction. We don't ever go less than that. And I say to her, honey, nothing's off the table. Everything's on the table. 
Talk as long as you want about whatever you want. Now, those are dangerous words. <laughs> and she says the same to me. And she starts to talk, and I start to talk, and we talk and talk and talk and talk and talk about everything and anything, about problems, about good things, about bad things, about how we should electrocute the children a little bit more, about, how, about, about, about everything. We talk about everything, and we do that because it's so important if I love her. I should want to talk to her unrestrained for as long as she wants. I need to have that time with her, that intimacy with her. And that doesn't just mean bedroom. It means a friendship. It means lifestyle. It means washing the dishes together. It means everything. It's a, it's a whole package. If that's how our natural love is, don't you think if you love Jesus, Jesus, greater than your wife or husband, Jesus, Shouldn't you want to talk to him unrestrained? Shouldn't you have date nights with Jesus? Shouldn't you tell him, talk about as much as you want, whatever you want, I'm here. By the way, I want to talk to you about some stuff, Lord. And remember how Jesse talks? I love it because he, Jesus loves Jesse and Jesse loves Jesus. And he just talks to him like he's there. It's real. It's not fake. It's not hypocritical. It's, it's baseline. It's grassroots. It's you can touch and feel his relationship with God. You can have the same I love you doing all this stuff for me, but you didn't love me. Right. I love you doing all the ministry of helps and all the help, but where's the time with me? Right. 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 And recently he, I won't look it up, but for reference, he said to me, Psalm 37, 7, he spoke recently to me, and that says, rest and wait upon the Lord. Yeah. And the Lord said, son, I don't just want you to rest, but when you're resting, I want you to wait on me. Yeah. I just want you to wait on me. I'm telling you, you want to receive instruction. It takes time with your beloved. You can't, you can't slice this pie any other way. There's no other way around. There's no shortcuts. There's no skipping lines. There's no, well, I know somebody, you know somebody, and they're going to get me in the back door. With us, it's all, we're all the same. We're on an equal playing field. If you want to know him, you got to spend time with him. If you want instruction for your future, you got to spend time with him. You've got to spend date nights with Jesus. You should make a little journal that says date night with Jesus. I, just because it helps people imagine and picture what that intimacy should look like. Spend time with him. Talk to him. Praise God. Hallelujah. You know, I know you will probably stumble at this, but once the Lord said when I was talking to him, he said, I want you to go watch a movie. What? He said, you've been too serious. I want you to laugh. I'm prompting you. He prompted me to watch a movie. It was a clean movie. He's not going to prompt me to watch something dirty. But boy, that movie was funny, man. <laughs> I'm telling you, that movie was funny. And I laughed and laughed. I was alone. I just laughed and because he knows my humor. I'm a bit weird. My humor is different to your humor. You may watch the movie and not find it funny at all. I found it hilarious. He knew my humor. He prompted me, watch the movie. And I'm laughing like, I mean laughing to the point where, you know, where your stomach muscles hurt. And I, I would say that. And I heard him speak to me in the middle of it. And he said, I'm so pleased. I love you so much. I want you to have fun. Then when the movie was over, he said, now turn on the word. Let's talk about some other stuff. You needed a good laugh. You know, because laughter is good like a medicine. Some of you haven't laughed since 1969. <laughs> and if God has to get you to watch something clean, but something funny, he will. 
or hang around with one of your friends that's funny. You know Joe Morris? Joe Morris, one of his best friends, was known to be very funny, and he didn't try to be funny. You know what Dad Hagen would do? Joe told me this personally. He would, Dad Hagen's secretary would call Joe Morris and say, Dad Hagen wants to see you. Bring, what was his name? I f- Ross. Bring Ross with you. And so they would go down to the, and Dad Hagen would be sitting there in his 80s, you know, like he's in his latter years, and just sitting there waiting for them. And him and Gross, you know, they're kind of, you know, a little bit, you know, this is Dad Hagen. And he'd say, yes, sir, did you want to, just, just tell me some stories. And so Ross would start to talk. And then Joe would start to go with Ross. And Edwin knew both of them. And Edwin told me, he said, if you ever get them together, he said, it is dangerous. Because they feed off each other. And, and, and Joe told me, he said, we would get to going because he, he wanted us to go at it. He go for it, boys, go for it. And they would start telling stories and telling jokes. And Dad Hagen would laugh. Joe told me, I'm not exaggerating, he would laugh so hard he would almost fall off his chair. And he would say, stop, 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 boys, stop. I mean, he would laugh till he broke a gut. And then he'd just walk up and say, thank you. And he'd walk back to his office. No anointing impartation, no words of prophecy. He just needed a good laugh. And Joe and Ross gave it to him. It was like private comedians. The Holy Ghost wants you so badly to get what you need. He wants you to be happy. He wants you to feel loved. He wants you to be healed. If you'll just spend time with him, if you'll rest and wait on the Lord, he will show you. He doesn't just want you to work for him. He wants you to love him. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We want to receive instruction. It's going to take time. It's a slow cook. We want to respond right so that what we get, we don't lose. And some of you need to respond differently to things God has said to you or you're going to lose it. I'm trying to help you. And the last thing, this is my second and last close. Because I do have two closes. Sometimes there is three or four. But today there's only two closes. And and, and the word of prophecy, I'm joking, but I'm not joking. This is very serious. The word of the Lord came to me at five o'clock this afternoon. He said, turn. Because I heard, I, I had a nap. I woke up and I heard the Lord say, wait on me. So I just went quiet before him. Didn't pray. Didn't listen to music. I said, Father, I'm here. And I wait on you for as long as you need. I want to hear what you have to say. And after a little while, he said, the word of the Lord came to me. I'm about to prophesy to you. And he said, say this tonight at the end of your sermon. But I want to read to you what he, he, didn't, he, he didn't quote it to me, but he's, he's telling me this story. Second Kings, very quickly, chapter 20. It's only a couple verses. I had to look it up. I didn't know where it was found. In those days was Hezekiah sick unto death. And the prophet Isaiah, the son of Amos, came to him and said unto him, Thus saith the Lord, set thine house in order, for thou shalt die and not live. And he turned his face to the wall and prayed unto the Lord, saying, I beseech thee, O Lord, remember how now how I have walked before thee in truth and with a perfect heart, and have done that which is good in thy sight. And Hezekiah wept sore. And it came to pass before Isaiah was gone out unto the middle court, that the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Turn again and tell Hezekiah, the captain of my people, Thus saith the Lord, the God of David thy father, I have heard thy prayer, I have seen thy tears, behold, I will heal thee. On the third day thou shalt go up to the house of the Lord, and I will add unto thy days fifteen years, and I will deliver thee and this city out of the hand of the king of Assyria, and I will defend the city for my own name's sake and for the sake of my servant David. And Isaiah said, Take a lump of figs. 
He had the bubonic plague. That's what theologians tell us. It was boils on his body, especially one massive one that was going to kill him. That's what theologians tell us. Take a lump of figs and they took and laid it on the boil and he recovered. And Hezekiah said unto Isaiah, what shall be the sign that the Lord will heal me and that I shall go up into the house of the Lord on the third day? Because he's about to die and he's looking for a sign. And Isaiah said, this sign shalt thou have of the Lord, that the Lord will do the thing that he has spoken. He's asking him, shall the shadow go forward? 10 degrees or back 10 degrees they had sundials the shadow would tell them the time do you understand the magnitude of this miracle God has to check he has to stop the rotation of the earth around the sun for this to happen I mean I say it could have picked something easier like you know if the apple falls off the tree you know it's going to happen one two three there the apple goes all the angel had to do was flick the apple why did he have to make the entire earth stand still but Isaiah, Isaiah the man of God said it and Hezekiah answered and said, it's a little thing for the shadow to go forward 10 degrees. No, it's not. He has to speed up the earth. That's not little, but he thinks it's little. But no, let the shadow go backward 10 degrees. Reverse time. And Isaiah the prophet cried unto the Lord and he brought the shadow 10 degrees backward by which it has gone down in the dial of Ahaz. And I've read scientific journals. There's two times this happened, one with Joshua and one with Isaiah. And I've read scientific journals where they say there are two times in the ancient world where the, where the earth stood still and they still cannot understand why. One was for a much longer time, one was for a short time. I've read a whole scientific article about it by physicists. And all they have to do is read the Bible because God stopped time. And they're still trying to figure out what happened to the earth because they're carnal. And I heard the word of the Lord come to me. And when I read this, and I'm telling you this by the spirit, I heard the word of the Lord come to me and say this. If those that have, I'm saying to you, thus saith the Lord, there are some here and there are some watching and there are some that will watch this at a later time. But if they will turn their face to the wall, when I correct them, when I show them things because they have opened the door or they have disobeyed and certain things are not going to go right. But if they will turn their face to the wall and repent with humility and with tears. He said three things. Number one, I will be merciful to them. Number two, I will add to them what they don't deserve. And number three, I will do mighty miracles for them. Father, you added, you were merciful to Hezekiah. You added to him 15 years and you did a mighty miracle to confirm it. And Lord, you said to me at 5 p.m. today, tell them, thus saith the Lord, for those that I speak to and those that I deal with, where there is repentance and correction needed for areas they have missed it, for areas that instruction that has come that they have not obeyed, for things they've let the devil abort, for things that they've turned away from where I told them to move forward, for businesses that did not start that I told them to start, for things that they did not sow that I told them to sow, and things that now are off track, if they will turn their faces to the wall, and if they will repent to me and with a deep humility and with tears, repent before me and ask me for my mercy if I did it for him I will do it for them I will be merciful to them I will add back to them what they don't deserve and I will do mighty miracles for them in the future if they will humble themselves before me so I say to you in the name of Jesus whether you're watching this later whether you're watching this now or whether you're in this room when you wait on God and he shows you things that you have missed 
and that you have not fulfilled and that you have turned away from and that you have allowed the devil to abort and that you have been discouraged and quit on, if you will just humble yourself before him and not make excuses and justifications and, 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 and this is why and that's why, Father, if you will just humble yourself before him and say, Father, I repent. I did not act skillfully. Forgive me. I am saying to you as your pastor and as a man of God that he will be merciful to you and that he will add back to you what you don't deserve and he will do miracles for you that you did not imagine that he could do and he will restore to you the plan that he had for you. And I say this by the spirit of God because at 5 p.m. he came upon me in my room when I waited on him and he said, you tell my people if I was merciful to an Old Testament king, I will be merciful to a New Testament son or daughter. But they must respond right. If some of you need to start waiting on God more. And when he starts to show you things that maybe you've dropped, maybe you've put aside, maybe you've ignored, maybe you've just pl- fl- pl- flat out made the wrong decision. If you will humble yourself and repent, God will come to you in his great mercy. And he will fix it for you. And he will turn it for you. And he will add back to you what the devil has subtracted. And he will do miracles for you that you cannot imagine. And I say this in Jesus' name. From my office, I say it, Father. Because you authorized me to say it. And I ask that you would uphold my word, Father. For those here and watching and in the future that respond right, that wait upon you, and that when they recognize that there is a correction, they humble themselves like David did with a clean, pure heart. I ask that you would uphold my word. I ask that you would, you would multiply back to them what they have lost, that you would speed up time, that you would, that you would do miracles for them. In Jesus' name. And that businesses that have been aborted in this church would be revived again. And that callings that have been aborted would be revived again. And that relationships that have perished would be revived again. And that assignments for ministry of helps and for seed sowing financially and other areas, those that they've turned away from, they would be revived again. And that the plan of God would go forward. Father, we want to receive your instruction and we will wait on you to do it. And we want to respond right to your instruction. And we want to humble ourselves in our responding. And we want to believe you for miracles. Because you love us so much. And your mercy over us is greater than Hezekiah. Because we're in a better testament with better promises. So I thank you for it. Hallelujah. My brothers and sisters with heads bowed and eyes closed. I'm telling you as a pastor. I'm telling you as a man of God. I know it that I know it that I know it. It's a different flow tonight. But I'm telling you by the Holy Ghost. Some of you. Maybe God's been speaking to you while I've been preaching. But some of you, you need to carve time and you need to put him first and you need to fall in love with him all over again. And don't get mixed up just with doing things for him, but rather waiting and loving him and he will show you things to come. The Bible says the spirit of God is a spirit of all truth that will lead us into all truth and show us the future. He will show you your future. He will show you where you've missed it. He will show you why you're not in the perfect will of God if you've stepped off that path and he will forgive you. He will be merciful to you. He will add to you now what you need added and he would multiply multiplied by miracles what you need multiplied and he will get you back on the right track and you'll get you back into that perfect will and that perfect flow so that you can accomplish the plan for your future if you will wait on him he will do it for you because he said to me I thought he was done 
I was just getting ready to come to church and he said, wait on me. And I did. And that word came to me as clear as I'm talking to you now. He has got mercy waiting for you. He has got miracles waiting for you. He has got additions waiting for you. But you must respond right if, you, if he prompts you and says, you've missed it here. You let this go when I didn't tell you to let it go. You aborted this when I told you to do this. You didn't respond right to my instruction. And no matter how many years ago it was, if he brings it to you and shows it to you as you wait before his presence, respond humbly and don't make excuses. Take responsibility. And if you'll do that, he will exalt you because he exalts the humble and he gives grace unto the humble. He'll give you all that grace and all that power and all that miracle and all that addition that you need to fulfill that plan. I'm telling you by the spirit, there are businesses that have been aborted in this church because the devil has harassed you so bad. And maybe some of it is a lack of knowledge in the natural. And there's a lot of reasons, but there's businesses that God wants to resurrect in this church. There's relationships God wants to fix in this church. There's stuff that God wants to do. He wants to restore things to you. But you must respond. If he corrects you, humble yourself. And don't just have a drive-through mentality. Carve time to just sit and wait before him because he's a king and he deserves it. And do it because you love him. You love him. He's a, you're, you want to have a date night with him because you love him. Work for him, yes, but love him first. And then work for him. Because then the work is sweet when it comes out of a place of love, not a place of duty or religion. So I thank you, Father. I, the time is far spent, Father, but I've accomplished what you asked me to say. I've said it. You asked me to lay hands, I laid hands. I've done exactly what you've asked tonight. And I know, Holy Ghost, that you're pleased. I can feel your pleasure. And I thank you that these people now, the onus is on them as well as me, to now carve time every day, every week, to wait on you. And if you correct us, we will be a Hezekiah and you will restore to us and we will respond right and we will receive right. Hallelujah. In the mighty name of Jesus, everybody said, amen.